Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, throughout this, uh, this month, we have been exploring a sermon series called Every Good Gift, right? And what we've talked about is God's gift to us of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. We've talked about all these things, and when you add them really all together, what you have is God's gift of counsel. Now, the Bible tells us to seek counsel, but not all counsel that we receive is good counsel, is it? Now, I used to work with a man a long time ago, back when I was in college, and um, every time I'd find myself in a situation, what he would do is he would give me his counsel in the form of some pithy saying, and it would always begin like this. He would always say things like, well, as my pappy always used to say, and then he'd say, as my pappy always used to say, make your words sweet and soft because you never know when you're going to have to eat them. As my pappy always said, never buy a car you can't push, <laughs> which in my case was a really good advice, just so you know. Or you'd say, my pappy always used to say, when everything is going your way, you are probably in the wrong lane. Right? Good advice. Or you'd say, my pappy always used to say, maybe your life is just to, to serve as a warning to others. Again, good advice. The world is really filled with people who want to give us advice. Right? Some of it good, some of it bad. The Bible says getting advice is really a good thing. It says in Proverbs chapter 12, it says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Again, good advice to us. So where do we get um, our counsel for the decisions that, that we make in, in our lives and how we live our lives? You know, for example, Say you have decided that you want to sell your house. Why are you selling your house? Are you selling your house because maybe you don't like your neighbors? Are you selling your house maybe because your neighbors don't like you? Are you selling your house because, you know, maybe you got that little card in the mail, that one that says, hey, here's what houses in your neighborhood are, are selling for? Or maybe you looked on Zillow on an off chance and you said, wow, my house is worth that much. Or I really just want to move and be closer to my, to my children and my, and my grandchildren. You see, many times when we try to make these, these kind of decisions on, on, on how we're going to live our life, a lot of times what we do is we look for signs. We look for signs that'll, that'll tell us what is about to happen or at least give us some indication of what the future holds. Now, sometimes, you know, you get signs and, well, be quite frankly, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you go to God and you say, God, give me a sign. And there isn't one. That happens too. Now, in our gospel lesson, just before our gospel lesson for today, what has happened is Jesus has just told his disciples that this temple is going to be torn down. It's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be rebuilt in, in, in three days. And, and, and what they wanted to know was they wanted a sign. They wanted to know when that was going to happen. They wanted to know so, they, so that they could be ready and they could be prepared for that day. 
Now, to answer their question, though, as Jesus does so masterfully, he basically says to them, hey, let me tell you a little more. Let me tell you a little more. Let me, let me jump back to, uh, uh, to Noah in Genesis chapter 6. Let me tell you this. He says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of God, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of the Son of Man. Well, he continues, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, Noah and his family were prepared, weren't they? They were prepared for what God had told them was going to happen, but nobody else was, were they? They were just, they were just living life as normal. They were, they were getting up, flipping on the coffee pot, checking the internet and newspaper for, for news. They were uh, you know, planning out their day, getting ready for school or work. Well, they didn't have any of those things, and you guys know that. But you get the idea. They were carrying on life the same way they had day in and day out. So life was normal. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, the flood comes. The, come, the flood comes and they're, and, they're not, and they're not prepared. But you see, they had counsel from God. God told them to repent and turn, and turn back towards them. Now, Jesus went on to tell them, this is the way it's going to be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So that leads us really to ask ourselves the question, what kind of counsel do we need here today in our life? Now, in our first lesson that, that, that we'll go through here, Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians. And what he's doing is he's writing this letter to these people who have really been corrupted. Their lives have been going the absolute wrong way or opposite way of God. And, and what he wants to do is he wants to, let them, he wants to let them know that. He wants them to be prepared. They're being taught by teachers who are teaching these heretical teachings about things about God and about the resurrection and things like that, right? And so... What he tells them is, you know, your belief in the resurrection is just a little part of your faith. But your belief in the res resurrection is something that affects the way that you live your life. It's going to change your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have you do things that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily do. Things like maybe you would be a little more concerned about others' salvation. You know, you know, you, you know of your salvation. You know the promises of God, but you know, not everybody else does. And so, you be concerned. You be concerned about the salvation of others. 
And then Paul goes on and talk about himself. He says, why are we in danger every hour? Right? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with the beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. So for Paul here, to believe in God is a tremendous encouragement to, to endure living a life that is worthy of the gospel. And what he has done is he has taken what the word of God has done for him and, 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 allowed, and how it has allowed him to live his life, even when he's under great physical and emotional pressure. Or as he puts it figuratively, I fought with the beasts of Ephesus. Because what he's really fighting with is he is fighting with people who are living their life really contrary to the word of God. And he says, here's what the hope and the resurrection is going to do. When you understand the hope we have in the resurrection, all right, that's going to that's change your life. You know what the end game is. You know what God has promised. You know, you know how God wants you to be. And that the re resurrection is really ample reward to each and, and every one of us for the suffering that we have to endure in this world. So he, he's closing this section here now with, with an appeal. Appeal to let the hope of the resurrection determine how it is you are going to live your life. You see, what's happening in Corinth with all that decay and, and, and moral, moral decline and all of that stuff that's going on in Corinth is actually going on in our culture even here today. People are not making themselves available to really wear their faith on their sleeve, to be, to be going out and, and talking to, to people about the love of God and, and, and how the love of God really impacts their life and gives them a peace that they'll, that they'll never understand. They don't give themselves into the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge that God has given them through the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them in this life that would help them in order to be able to plant a, that seed of God's love and truth, especially in this world, which is hurting and suffering. Instead, what does our culture do? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And the problem Paul is calling out is that what's happening is, you know, it, people are following that line of thinking. They're running around with people that act that way. And what he's telling them is, if you continue to do that, guess what? That's who you are going to be too. He tells them a proverb of, of the day. He says, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals, right? So what he's really telling them here is, hey, you guys need to come to your right mind. You need to think about what's going on. This is a battle we're in. This is a privilege that we have to live in this time to be able to impact our lives and our lives impacting the lives of those around us. But here's the thing. Time's passing by pretty quickly. So make the proper use of it. He says, really, that there's a, there's a lot of people out there who, who call themselves Christians, but, but, but they really don't know a whole lot about God because they are living 
just like the rest of the world is living. So Paul isn't urging the Corinthians and us to live a life that is influenced by the world. He says, if you believe, if you believe in the resurrection, if you believe in the life that you have after passing from this world, your thinking and your faith is going to affect the way you live your life. And you're going to be willing to suffer a little bit for that life of faith that God has given you, that faith in Jesus. That you know that promise is out there, that through that faith you'll gain eternal life. You see, we know our world, don't we? We know our world because we live in this world. We know this, that this world is broken by sin, don't we? We know, we know how that impacts us. And we know that Jesus is really bigger than, than all of our struggles, too. Now, he doesn't tell us when he's going to return. We have no idea. He says, nobody knows the day or the hour. But what scripture has told us, Jesus is really saying, I came 2,000 years ago for sinners. Broken people like you and me. He came as a king lifted high on a cross and not a throne to pay the price that was necessary to redeem each and every one of us. He came as a king to be pierced, bleed, and die for you. He came as a king who would, who would take the suffering that was necessary for you, for your salvation. He came as a king who would forgive you, who would forgive you for those times where you go before him in prayer or, or, or wherever, and you say, God, God, please forgive me. Uh, forgive me for, for, for how I have let my life be influenced by the world and how I have let that life really be influenced in a way that has hurt my relationship with you and with others. What does he say? He says, I forgive you. And so he gives us good counsel today, doesn't he? Through his counselor, the Holy, the Holy Spirit that he's present in his word proclaimed, that he's, that he's here with us, even here today as we, as we gather together to worship and praise him for being that God of love that he is. And he's present for you individually. When you hear those words that your sins, your sins are forgiven. So be ready. Right, that's what we need to do. We need to be ready. He's going to keep you in the faith. He's going to give you what it is you need for that day when he comes again. What he tells us, he tells us as a people of God to repent and believe. That's what he tells us. And what he's telling us is let all the worry and despair that we have in our lives, take all that worry and despair and, and things that are impacting your relationship with him and lay them at the foot of the cross. Let him be the one that takes care of those things in your life. And then he asks you just to trust. Just trust. You may not know the day or the hour, but you know the one who keeps you till that day, don't you? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
Amen.